0: So I want to get into chapter 10 of 2 Corinthians here. And I love this. In fact, when I first read through this, I had nothing marked. And so I wanted to make sure that as I went through this, I found some valuable things. And there are some cool things in here. Now you get into verse number three. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now that will make more sense in a second here. Verse four, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, one of the things that does if you click on the word weapons in verse number four it takes you over to ephesians chapter six and many of you are familiar with what is called the armor of god which we'll talk about in a few weeks but Paul's just like look when we really war we're not warring against other people we are warring within ourselves many of you have heard me mention my patriarchal blessing says upon the battlefields of our minds are fought some of the greatest of all battles and we are often warring with ourselves paul talked about that back in romans chapter seven anything we can do to pull down strongholds. Now, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, which I really believe those are the strongholds that we need to pull down. Anything that is going against the knowledge of God. And this statement is so relevant. Bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, this idea of taking our thoughts into captivity, basically taking our thoughts and owning them. One of the verses I've connected to this is Mosiah chapter 4 verse 30, which is King Benjamin speaking. And I have always loved this. And as I've grown to appreciate the concept of taking control of those thoughts that we have, verse 30 of Mosiah chapter 4, but this much I can tell you that if you do not watch yourselves and your thoughts and your words and your deeds and observe the commandments of God and continue in the faith of what you have heard concerning the coming of our Lord, even unto the end of your lives, you must perish. And now, oh man, remember and perish not. I remember early on in my seminary career, I would teach this verse very myopically. Just It was almost like just right on the surface of just don't have bad thoughts, like impure thoughts. And there's so much more depth to this because it's not just about having these bad thoughts. It's about taking control of your thoughts. I remember hearing someone say one time that your brain has two functions. One, it is to protect you. And the other one is to make you think you're always right. And the reality of it is is no we are not right just because a thought comes into our head doesn't necessarily mean that it is correct and what we need to do is we need to take that thought into captivity now an interesting thing here i was watching just this last week some of you are familiar with this guy his name is mark Rober. he is a youtuber he does crazy things and this guy he worked for nasa worked for apple and he's doing just all kinds of crazy scientific type of things he's a brilliant guy and he's just having a lot of fun with this he spoke at mit this last week and one of the cool things is he focused on this concept of bringing into captivity every thought. He does it a little bit differently, but I love the way he does this. He weaves in humor with a lot of his messages. Uh, So I think you'll appreciate this. So go ahead and watch this message here.
1: Confirmation bias is when your brain ignores evidence that doesn't support your beliefs, and then it cherry picks the evidence that does. And generally, when people hear this term, they think it's a broken, unscientific way for our brains to approach the world. And this is true, but you could sort of judo-flip it to your advantage. The trick is to positively apply confirmation bias to your relationships. If you assume good intentions on the part of your friends and family, and you tell yourself you're lucky to have them, your brain will naturally work to find evidence to support that. That's just how our brains work. If you tell yourself that your fellow humans are inherently good, your brain will find examples of it everywhere, and that will reinforce your outlook. The opposite, unfortunately, is also true. Basically, whether you think the world and everyone in it is out to hurt you or help you, you're right. And this hack works not just for spouses, friends, and family, but even total strangers who might infuriate you. And look, I agree with you. They're wrong. But don't forget, as George Carlin pointed out, anyone who's driving slower than you is an idiot, and anyone driving faster than you is a maniac. Confirmation bias to enhance your relationships as you cooperate to cross the river. Train your brain to assume good intentions, and try to remember if someone cuts you off on the freeway, maybe they're not out to get you, maybe they just have diarrhea.
0: He throws a lot of humor into it as well. It's a great talk. I'd recommend watching it. The whole thing's about 20 minutes or so. But this idea of leveraging that confirmation bias to focusing on the positive things and getting our thoughts to be able to think very clearly and to be able to think positively. It's an empowering feeling to be able to do that. Now, Satan will do the opposite type of thing. In fact, Paul focuses on this in verse number 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. And many us know that comparison is the thief of joy. If you really want to start really messing with your thoughts, start comparing yourself to others. And it is the most unhealthy thing to be able to do. I remember when we were building our house, we had this perfect plan and we loved this idea of this house that we were building. In our minds, this was the greatest house. And we loved it until we started seeing other house plans that were being built all around. And then we're like, oh, we should have done this. We should have done this. And then we found ourselves in comparison, not enjoying the very thing that we had spent so much time on. And that is something, again, I think we need to train our thoughts and to captivate our thoughts about. Some of you might remember from this last conference in April, Elder Vern P. Stanfill gave a wonderful talk called The Imperfect Harvest. This is such a good talk, and he addresses this idea of comparison. He says, when we compare ourselves to others, there can only be two results. Either we will see ourselves as better than others and become judgmental and critical of them, or we will see ourselves as less than than others and become anxious, self-critical, and discouraged. Either way, that is pride. Comparing ourselves to others is rarely productive, not uplifting, and sometimes downright depressing. In fact, these comparisons can be spiritually destructive, preventing us from receiving the spiritual help we need. On the other hand, emulating those we respect who demonstrate Christ-like attributes can be instructive and uplifting and can help us become better disciples of Jesus Christ. And so that's why I love this idea of what Paul said back in verse number five, bringing the captivity every thought to the obedience of christ and if we do that and we really own our thoughts and really channel them and leverage that confirmation bias to positivity and to jesus christ i think we'll really be able to see some empowering things start to happen in our lives i love this principle it's not only just kind of a standard life skill but there are gospel principles here as well that i really think will help benefit us and i'm grateful for it and i know that it's true